and welcome to Scary to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. Before I begin, I did want to let you know that two new bonus episodes are available for Patreon patrons, one being two new chapters of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, we're almost to the end, you guys, and the other being a new series I'm calling Ramble You to Sleep, where I just talk about whatever is on my mind to gentle music. It's a little more personal as well, Um, just some stuff I don't necessarily feel like putting out on the regular show so I do get pretty personal there put it on when you cook to feel like you have a friend who won't let you get a word in edgewise who is sitting in your kitchen or maybe let my blathering bore you to sleep which was another working title for the series and remember in the link tree in the show notes is where you can find a link to patreon if you'd like to become a patron it's also where you find merch and all the other good stuff So this week's story, I want to set a heavy trigger warning, mostly because of things that have gone on in, I know not all of you are from the US, but that have gone on in my country recently. If you don't mind spoilers, please check the show notes. So if anyone is new here, I tend to just keep these spoilery trigger warnings to the show notes so you can choose whether you'd like to read those or not or if you're someone who doesn't necessarily need um, trigger warnings which is fine um, then you don't have to read them and you don't get spoilers but if you are someone who would rather the spoilers than the trauma um, then yeah of course you can go check them there but just so you know those show notes might have spoilers and they might not and you can choose to read them for anyone who's new here so if you're feeling iffy please go check those show notes um this one got to me (laughs) this story uh was feeling very sensitive i put it off for a week but then i thought it's so good it's so good i had recorded it i spoke to the author and i don't know i just think that it's i want to release it um but again, with heavy trigger warnings. So please, please, please check those show notes. Um, If you want to dive in feet first, then cool. Don't say I didn't warn you. (laughs) Um, And this is not for anyone to come to any of my social media and be edgelords and be like, I didn't, this wasn't even blah, blah, blah. It's just because of things that have happened recently. I feel like I wanted to be extra sensitive when it came to the subject matter of this episode. All right, tonight is a returning author to the show, Caleb Stevens, who you might remember from their story, Shadow Puppets, that was on the show previously. Caleb is a dark fiction author writing from somewhere deep in the Colorado mountains. His short stories have appeared in multiple publications and podcasts, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Tales to Terrify, Metastellar, The Dread Machine, Nocturnal Transmissions, and more. His story, The Wallpaper Man, is forthcoming as a short film from Falconer Film and Media. Congrats, Caleb. That's the dream. You can learn more on his website, which I will link in the show notes. And you can also follow him at Twitter on Twitter at C. Stevens Author, all one word. And the C is like the letter C. Okay, so without further ado, this is You Have to Let Him Burn. Uh, 
The flight attendant cycled through her announcements. Seat belts, oxygen masks, emergency exits. And Evelyn Walbrook patted Bennett's knee. Buckle up, buddy. He glanced up from his iPad with a groan. His dense chocolate curls so like Trent's. It hurt to look at him at times. Oh, man. Do I have to? Yes, you do. Now give me that thing. She took the iPad and ruffled his hair. You can have it back once we take off, okay? Fine. Bennett said. He straightened his legs and clicked the buckle, his eyebrows rising as he surveyed the cabin. Wow, I, I can't believe we're actually going to fly in this thing. She felt her stomach drop and forced a smile. His first time ever on a plane. It should have been a trip to Disney World, somewhere tropical. Not this. Anything but this. Behind him, through the window, a man in a hunter orange vest waved a matching pair of wands. The plane nudged back and taxied for the runway. Evelyn exhaled and let her shoulders loosen. After six months of hell, they were finally leaving, finally putting the fire behind them. All the pain and heartache, everything they'd lost, everyone. Not that she truly believed that. She knew that wasn't how grief worked, but it was worth a shot. And California was as far from Boston as you could get. Bennett laid his head on her arm, and she took his hand and traced her thumb over his palm, his wrist. In a way, his burns were beautiful. The pink and white swirls reminded her of the painting she often stumbled across while perusing the art galleries on Newberry Street. The abstract pieces that looked like someone had opened a vein and emptied all their emotion onto the canvas in a blaze of color. All their hate. All their love. At times, they left her breathless. They were perfect as they were. The same as Bennett. The fire hadn't changed that. Nothing would. An announcement squelched through the speakers, and she tipped her head back against the seat and closed her eyes. She was asleep before the wheels left the ground. Like always, Evelyn dreamed of Trent. His chin covered in stubble, his eyes like lake water at dawn. That familiar half-grin with one corner ending in a dimple. The way his hair tousled with sleep. How, when she ran her fingers through it, it sparked and caught the fire blooming brighter, engulfing his head in a blue corona of flame. 
the low rising wail that pulsed up through his throat before his lips turned to ash. Get you anything? Evelyn's eyelids fluttered open to a weary customer service smile and a warm pair of eyes. The flight attendant, hand wrapped around a notepad, nails perfectly manicured, one foot tapping away. Hurry up, lady. People are waiting. I'm sorry? Evelyn said. Would you like something to drink? Oh, no, I'm good, thank you. Bennett, how about you? She reached for him and felt empty fabric. Bennett? She blinked the sleep from her eyes and squinted back at the flight attendant. He must have gone to the bathroom. How about a ginger ale for him? For whom, ma'am? My son? I don't recall anyone sitting next to you. Is he perhaps in another seat? No, he was right here next to me when I fell asleep. Are you sure? I really didn't see anyone. A sudden flare of heat filled her chest. Yes, of course I'm sure. It's my child we're talking about here. The flight attendant's cheeks flushed, and she fingered her collarbone. Evelyn exhaled. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to snap at you. He's probably in the restroom. She looked behind the flight attendant as she said it, toward the front of the cabin. The bathroom sign glowed green. Another glance toward the lavatories in the back. She saw one was unoccupied. The other, taken. It had to be Bennett. Where else would he be? She stood and squeezed past the woman into the aisle. Excuse me. Ma'am? The flight attendant called after her. Please sit down. The captain hasn't turned off the seatbelt sign. Evelyn ignored her and strode for the back of the plane. Knocked on the door. Bennett? Are you in there? It's taken. The reply came gruff and full of bass. A man's voice. She turned and opened the other door. Empty. Just a toilet lid spotted in urine. She closed her eyes and forced herself to think. If he wasn't in here, he had to be in the bathroom near the cockpit. Had to be. He probably just spaced locking the door. Bennett was nothing if not forgetful. He often left his backpack at school. His water bottle and jacket... She hurried back down the aisle and bumped the flight attendant. She was busy handing a cup of coffee to a man. A slug of steaming liquid slopped onto his gut, and he yelped and flapped at his shirt. Ouch! Shit, lady! Watch where you're going! I'm sorry! Evelyn sputtered over her shoulder without stopping. All that mattered was finding Bennett. A prayer whispered off her lips as she reached the front of the plane, and jerked the bathroom door open. The light flashed. Empty. She caught a flicker of her face in the mirror. 
Her eyes were stained pink, the pads of skin beneath, swamped black with mascara. A tear cut down her cheek, and she wiped at it angrily. No, stop, she told herself. Don't you do it. Don't you cry. Overhead, an announcement squawked. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be experiencing some brief turbulence for the next few minutes. Please keep those seatbelts fastened and your tray tables locked. Ma'am, I am going to have to ask you to return to your seat. Evelyn jolted and spun around. The man behind her stood at average height, dressed in a pair of creased slacks and an olive green polo. His arms were crossed and he stared at her with the same no-nonsense look of an over-caffeinated cop or a DMV employee after a long day. Her hands trembled. I can't. My son is missing. I fell asleep, and when I woke, he was just gone. The man massaged his temples and sighed, fished a wallet from his pocket, and flipped it open to a badge that read John Lawton, Federal Air Marshal. He snapped it shut. I just spoke with the flight attendant. She filled me in on what you said. Look, I've been over the manifest a couple times now. There are five kids on this flight, and none of them belong to you. Here, see for yourself. He retrieved a phone and flashed her the screen, tapped a name, her name. That's you, right? Evelyn Walbron, 35, born November 19th, brown hair and hazel eyes. Her palms went slick. She smoothed her shirt. This isn't possible. I'm telling you, my son is on this flight. There has to be some sort of mistake. His name is Bennett. He's only six. And he does this sometimes when he gets nervous. Hides, I mean. He... he... She stared at her son's empty seat. He was right there a minute ago, I swear. Come on, John said, taking her by the elbow. Let's go. She didn't resist. She let herself be led, like a child. John in front, tugging her down the aisle, feeling like she was floating, like she wasn't the one controlling her limbs. When they reached her seat, the air marshal cupped her shoulder and pressed down with a firm but gentle pressure until she sat. It took her a moment to realize he was still speaking. Listen, you seem like a nice enough lady. Do us both a favor and behave, okay? He cocked an eyebrow at her, and Evelyn jerked back. A glistening sea of heat blisters had consumed his face, and his eyes were spiderwebbed red with veins. Okay. He repeated. His lips were melting. Slowly and with great effort, Evelyn managed to nod, but not before she rubbed her eyes and glanced at him again. 
there he stood once more. John the Air Marshal, looking as normal as ever, balding and broad-shouldered. Good. I'm glad we understand each other. You enjoy the rest of your flight, Mrs. Walburn. I'll be keeping an eye on you. Rings of heat broke across the back of her neck as he left, and she looked across the aisle toward a kid wearing a set of headphones that swallowed his ears. She recognized him. Dominique. But he went by Dom. Harris. Who lived on the first floor and had a penchant for late afternoon strolls to the 7-Eleven in hunt of Slurpees. Behind him sat George and Margaret Shumway, both in their fifties and both with bad hearing. A few rows up, she spotted Calvin Foster, the skater kid with Kool-Aid blue hair who lived in the apartment upstairs and drummed until chips of plaster fell from the ceiling. Next to him, the landlord, Mr. Jamil, with a kindly face and whose voice never carried much bite, even when he meant it to. Jake Gibbons, the building handyman, was the first to ignite. He flashed her his easy smile as candles of flame spread over his shoulders and threaded down his chest. Trails of smoke seeped from his ears. Alan Conroy caught next, followed by the Burtons. Susan staring at her with the aqua eyes that Evelyn had always thought so beautiful. The eyes that were currently bubbling and oozing down her face in two viscous streams. And then she was up and running, sprinting for the back of the plane, the captain announcing their descent into San Bernardino International, the plane shifting in a way that she nearly tumbled back. The acrid scent of burning hair stung her nostrils, the sweet tang of boiling blood. Fingers reached for her, blackened nails scraping across her forearms and neck. A hand wound round her waist, and she choked back a cry but managed to pull loose as John Lawton stood to stop her. Bright rivers of flame chewed through his torso and bled down his waist. Hey, I thought we had an understand- Evelyn tucked her shoulder and rammed him at full speed. He toppled in a column of smoke. She leaped over him and stopped. There he stood, Bennett, cowering against the back wall of the galley, with his eyes screwed shut and his hands glued to his ears. Stop, make it stop, make it stop, he whimpered. She took him in her arms and slammed into the bathroom, locking the door behind her. She ran her hands over his face over his arms and legs in search of burn marks of which there were none thank god save the one she knew by heart she was thumbing his tears and struggling not to cry herself are you okay baby 
please tell me you're okay. His mouth trembled, and he managed to nod before collapsing into her chest. She held him there, feeling his breath warm a circle in her shirt. Her son, who was still alive, who'd been on the plane the entire time, hidden away, too scared to come back to her for fear that these things, whatever they were, would seize him before she could. A knock rattled the door, followed by John's voice. Mrs. Walbram? Mrs. Walbram, you need to come out for your own good. He spoke to her in a tone reserved for a five-year-old. She suddenly had the urge to open the door and strangle him. Instead, she bit her tongue and went silent. And then, she heard it. The voice she knew so well. It filled her like a song, the same as it had every day for the last twelve years. Until the fire burned it away. Evie, it's okay. You can open the door. Her throat thickened. Bennett glanced over his shoulder. Daddy? It ripped a hole in her heart, the way his face flushed and his eyes lightened. It carved out her soul. But still, Evelyn didn't reach for the door because she knew whatever was speaking to her on the other side wasn't her husband. Trent was dead. Please, Evie. Please come out. Smoke curled in around the doorframe and settled against the ceiling. Beads of sweat swamped her forehead and stung her eyes. She wrapped her arms around Bennett. Trent's voice was swallowed by the others, their shouts rising in pitch, turning angry. You come out here this instant. Margaret Shumway wailed. You belong with us, George echoed. We're all in the bathroom. Please, don't let them in, Mama. Bennett said. Please. John's voice followed. Mrs. Walbrum, I've contacted the authorities. They'll be waiting when we land. But if you come out now, I'll see what I can do to make this go away. If you stay in there any longer, well, things will be a lot harder to handle. Slowly, hesitantly, she reached for the door latch. She had to be hallucinating. Had to be. Her therapist said it happened sometimes with trauma, that in situations like these... A heavy thud hammered the door. Another. It buckled near the bottom, and a set of fingers wrapped around the metal and pushed inwards. A head snaked through the opening, followed by a pair of black socket eyes, and a nose burned to the sinuses. The landlord, Mr. Jamil, 
he hissed. We're your family now! Bennett shrieked, and Evelyn pulled him behind her, ready to send her heel into what was left of the man's face. But before she could, the unmistakable squeal of rubber on asphalt sent her flailing into the sink, followed by the sound of thrusters in reverse. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to hell. It's a wonderful day outside. Local time is just after 2 p.m. with a temperature right around 10,000 degrees. Please stay seated with those buckles fastened. We'll arrive at the gate in just a few minutes. Evelyn winced and fingered a lump behind her ear. Bennett cried beside her, his breath coming in sharp bursts. She tilted his chin up and clasped his face. Baby, baby, look at me. You're fine, but we can't stay here. We have to go. His cheeks pale. No, no, they'll get us. I know they will. Who are you talking to in there? John said. A steady billow of smoke filled the cramped space. It smelled like beef frying or a mix of pork and rendered fat. Only sweeter. The taste of it seeping into her mouth all the way to the root of her tongue. Hey! I'm scared too, she said. But we can't stay here. We have to be strong. Both of us. Can you do that for me? Can you be my brave little guy for just a little bit longer? His lower lip wobbled in the way it used to after he woke from a night terror. She lifted his shirt over his mouth and pressed his hand over it. Once we start, don't you stop, Bennett. You run. Even if I fall, you run. Even if you can't see me. Do you understand? You run until you are off this plane. He gave her a weak nod. And she gripped his hand, opened the door, and they ran. Evelyn jerked Bennett forward, past John Lawton, who lunged for her with fingers that were scorched to the bone. He snagged her shirt, and she managed to rip loose, and they charged down the aisle through the clouds of whirling cinder. Mrs. Wolbram! Mrs. Wolbram, stop! She glanced over her shoulder at the air marshal and went dizzy. He suddenly looked normal. The cabin, once again bright and airy. On either side of him, people gawked at her, open-mouthed. A child close to Bennett's age tugged on his mother's shirt and pointed. A lip-gloss teenager in the adjacent seat, laughed, and filmed her with a cell phone. Evelyn blinked, 
and they turn to charred strips of flesh. John Lawton strode for her, clutching a pair of flaming handcuffs. She gasped and yanked Bennett onward, sparks singeing her shoulders, her scalp. Bennett screeched and slapped at his neck. It hurts! Ahead, she spotted a weak square of sunlight cracking open. The door to the jetway, she realized. She pulled Bennett faster and tasted fresh air, felt it slide cool across her skin. They were going to make it. The thought died as two monstrous figures in white uniforms pressed into the plane. One had ears melted into the lobes. The other eyelids that flagged and drooped like the eyelets of a rubber mask. He seized her by the torso, the other man by her arm. White bands of heat ripped across her chest and scorched her bicep, sending a shriek racing up her throat. Let her go! Bennett cried. Evelyn grasped his hand, gasping and choking, fighting to hold on, to never let go, until, with a violent jerk, his fingers slipped from hers. Fingers, which she now saw were glowing red with veins of fire. His mouth stretched wide in a howl, and she bucked to reach him, twisting and scratching at the arms restraining her until they wrenched her out onto the jetway. Jesus, this lady is strong. Yeah, no shit. Get her down already. The pressure around her midsection increased, and her knees buckled. A hand ripped her arm halfway up her back, and a bolt of pain shredded through her shoulder. Hey, what the hell are you two doing? Jesus, take it easy. You'll break her arm. The force on her back relaxed. And Evelyn looked up to John Lawton, crouched in front of her, with his elbows perched on his knees. He rubbed his eyes and sighed. I told you this would happen, didn't I? Damn it. Why do you people make me do this shit? He glanced at the men holding her. Get her off the floor. Behind him, through the plane's doorway. Bennett watched her stand, with a hand resting on his shoulder, the fingers black with ash. A face materialized above it. The features cracked and fissured with heat lines. A face whose shape she knew by heart. Every angle. Trent's eyes were blue points of flame as they tipped lower to Bennett. Evelyn, you have to let him go. You have to let him burn. His gaze lifted to hers. Evie, you have to remember. And she did. Pushing through the sea of panicked faces, crowding the building, 
their features smudged as though they'd been painted in watercolor. The towering inferno above her belching dark sheets of smoke. The windows on the fourth floor blowing out. The glass misting down around her and a thousand glittering pieces. They were up there. Burning. Trent and Bennett. Because that's where she left them to run to the store for eggs. A weekend breakfast would be nice, she thought. How wonderful for them to wake them to the smell of frying bacon and fresh coffee. The memories flooded faster, her legs churning as she barreled for the entrance. The explosion of light behind her eyelids as she collided with someone. The bridge of her nose as it crunched. Running again, her nose pouring blood as she strained to catch sight of Trent's green windbreaker or Bennett's paw print pajamas. Praying that if she didn't, she'd find the strength to rush into the building and burn with them. She spotted Bennett near an ambulance, strapped to a stretcher with one charcoal hand hanging off the side, the other resting on his chest, red and steaming. His name exploded off her tongue and she flew forward. Bennett! Baby, I'm here! He was alive, and she could feel him, and she knew. But then the EMT shook his head and pulled the sheet higher, and she fell to her knees. A cry lodged in her throat, and she let loose a scream only she could hear. One that filled her head. Trent's voice came again, and the timbre of his words ran through her like a mouthful of warm cinnamon. Evie, Evie, you'll be okay. We both will. And she saw by the way Bennett nuzzled close to him. By the way, he stared up through the flames at his father. Trent was right. He looked at her then, her dead husband, and pressed two ash-colored fingers to his lips. He held them there a moment before pulling them away in a kiss. Their goodbye from the windows of the apartment through the windshields of departing cars love you. Mrs. Walburn? Mrs. Walburn, can you hear me? John Lawton's voice bled through the blaze, and his gray eyes materialized, followed by a mouth pressed into a grim line. When she didn't answer, he reached out and took her by the shoulders. Hey, stay with me. Are you okay? Evelyn stared at him for a long moment before answering. No. 
she whispered, glancing back at the plane, which was now white and fresh and new. No, I'm not. But maybe in time. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much to my author this week, Caleb Stevens. Again, all of his info is in the show notes. Please go check him out. And I know he has some announcements coming up soon, so I would go follow him to see what's going on soon. Um, Let's see. Go follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those links in the show notes. Um, Or you can just go at Scary to Sleep. That's a pretty easy way to find them all. Um, if you have a story you'd like to be considered to be on the show, if you'd like it to become this thing that I make them into, then send them to scarytosleep at gmail.com. You know, you don't have to be professional or anything, or even an aspiring professional to be a professional writer. These are just fun. I have a lot of authors who send me things who it's totally just a hobby. And this is a fun keepsake for them is to have it turned into this i still haven't figured out what to call this (laughs) i don't i don't know what to call it whatever it is this is that i do to these stories um because it's a little different than the other shows since i'm the only one reading them it's like i'm reading you a bedtime story like i say at the beginning of the show but i also do all the immersive stuff all the stuff so yeah let's see um i believe that's it oh go buy merch um Thank you for those of you who have. There's cool merch. There's a lot of cool summer stuff. Um, towels, like beach towels, um, slides, uh, like, you know, sandals and um, water bottles, all kinds of cool stuff for summer. In fact, I need to remember, I need to order a few tank tops and some of the yoga pants and the bike shorts because I have been hitting the gym. I want to, if you meet me this summer at Midsummer Scream, by the way, in Long Beach, tickets still available. Come meet me at Midsummer Scream. I want to look like um, I can arm wrestle you and win, maybe. Arm wrestle me. Come to some Midsummer Scream and arm wrestle me. Um, that'll be fun. Oh my god, that would be really fun. Come arm wrestle me. <laughs> Come ask me to arm wrestle you and we will make someone take picture, take a video of us doing that and I will put it everywhere. Um, uh, oh, baking this week. For those of you who like my baking updates, I made a lemon cheesecake. Well, it's like lemon cheesecake bars that have like a shortbread crust. Fantastic. I posted the recipe on Scare You to Eat, the Facebook group where we all talk about food. So good. You serve them chilled. So they're a really great summer snack. Um, They're fantastic. Oh my God. We ate the whole pan in like two days. Um, So good. And what else? I, I can't think of anything else. I have some big announcements that I actually announced on my Ramble You to Sleep. Um, I almost called it a video. It's not a video. It's a podcast bonus episode. But on Patreon, I do mention what my big news is that I haven't released yet. I'm allowed to tell you, but it's going to be... I'm doing. We're doing a whole thing, me and the other people involved. So just... You know, if you want to hear, if you're that eager, then go become a Patreon patron. If not, and you're willing to wait, then I guess you'll just wait then, won't you? (laughs) 
Okay, um, I hope this week's episode wasn't too heavy for some of you. I clearly cried. You can hear that I was actually... I couldn't stop. I could not stop physically crying when I was recording. So that is why the last few uh, lines, I definitely... You can tell, like, you can hear my nose is a little stuffy because I was crying. I cried when I was editing it. I cried when I was recording. I cried when I was editing. Caleb, you got to my soul and um i'm i like crying i'm one of those i I like you know cathartic crying through tragic tales so that it doesn't bother me it was not a bad thing that it made me do that but um yeah i hope everyone's cool everyone's okay i hope you all are okay right now i know that was a little bit much but um fantastic story next week we got a whole crop of cool stories from a few different authors i got a few shorties in from some of my favorite returning authors to the show. Super excited about that. So that will be next week and I will see you then. Um, yeah, uh, again, follow show, Patreon, merch, uh, YouTube is going to be coming back up soon. I explain what the holdback is on that, on that ramble episode as well. I'm telling you, I get all personal. I talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of topics. <laughs> so... Um, YouTube will be returning soon. I've been uploading a few of the regular episodes there if you'd like to experience them like that. Thank you to those of you who have been continuing to watch my one video I have on there. Um, I'm almost, I think I have 2,000 more hours of viewing to actually be able to monetize my channel. You have to get a certain amount of hours where people have viewed. I have all the other things. I, I have all the other things that I need to monetize. The one thing I'm missing is... I think like 2000 something hours of viewing. So, you know, just, just 2000 hours. (laughs) Anyway, so if you'd like to contribute to my 2000 hours, um, go check out some of my YouTubes. So that'd be cool. Okay, everyone. I love you. It was very fucking hot today. Um, here in Los Angeles, and I'm sure it's heating up where you are, unless you're in Australia, in which case I don't care. You still need to drink water, Australians. I love you. Stay hydrated. Now that it's fall there right now, turning winter, stay hydrated. Um, everybody else, you too. Stay hydrated. All right. I love you. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.